Thank you for, to our choir. I just, isn't that a beautiful song? Such a beautiful song. And it's, um, it's quite, a, quite a project to put those together, to record them. And I also want to give a special shout out for the arranger, who's Ted, Ted Matthews, who arranged it. <laughs> and uh, some of you may that, know that as an old Christian hymn, and, and David and Mary Kerrigan uh, changed up some of the lyrics so that they fit in more with the, the science of mind teaching. So big kudos to everybody. Like Lonnie said, it's a slow story today, so I'm, I'm hesitating in getting started, but let's start. Oh, that's the wrong slide. Okay, that's the right slide. There we go. So the, the name of my talk today is Trust the Slow Story. How many of you remember Gina Walker, who used to sing here a lot? Yeah, I know. She's awesome, but she has a full-time job as a stupid musical director at another stupid church, so, <laughs> so she can't come over here very often. But that's Gino having, um, having dinner at our house, and that's one of our turtles, Carolina, who's uh, chatting with Gino there. Um, many people think that turtles are slow, but actually they can, move, they can go lickety-split if you want. That's why in that fable, you know, the tortoise and the hare, the, tor the tortoise actually wins, just so you know. So anyway, <laughs> the title is, is Trust the Slow Story, and, um, you know, part of this was inspired <laughs> by the pandemic. Talk about a slow story. Again, I, <laughs> I say this a lot, but when we first found out about it, many of us were like, yeah, six weeks, we'll be done. Church will be open, everything will be back to normal, we'll continue everything, but it has been a slow story. It has been a story of being stuck in molasses and quicksand at the same time. It has been very slow, and we still don't know what's going on with it, but it's, you know, it keeps evolving, and it is a slow story. One day during the pandemic, uh, back in the day when we were really shut down and I didn't have as, as much to do as I do now when we're sort of partially in and partially out, I decided to purge my home. Anybody here like to purge their home of debris and things you no longer need? It's, it's, no. <laughs> well, it's a del delightful practice. Some even say a spiritual practice. But um, <clears throat> I purged, and I had these three big boxes that I brought over to Goodwill. And this was back in the day when Goodwill, there were many Goodwills that were not taking um, donations because of the pandemic. So there was, I found one in Ventura, and I was able to bring the boxes over there. And the guy who met me at the door, you know, used to just be able to leave it at the doorstep. But the guy who met me at the door said, you're going to need to bring these in yourself, wear a mask, and you're going to need to sort them into appropriate bins. <laughs> now, he was very apologetic about it. And he said, I hope you don't mind. And I said, are you kidding me? That's the best news I've had all week. I am so excited that I get to sort, that I know where things go in life, that this is a sweatshirt, and it goes in this bin, and this is a book, and it goes in this bin, and this is a kitchen item, and it goes in this bin. That was seriously like the best thing that had happened to me all week, because we love it when things are organized and when, when a process is complete. You know, completion brings comfort. Completion brings comfort, and in my talks about anxiety that I did recently, I talked about how sometimes we're hesitant to get started because there's a lot to do, and we, we crave completion, and if we acknowledge that we're in the middle of a process, it feels too anxious and uncomfortable for us. So completion brings comfort, and incompletion can bring a sense of discomfort. So anyway, it felt good to sort. Another thing that happened during the pandemic was this notice that I was craving instant gratification. 
I'm currently part of a group of ministers and others from around the globe that are setting up what we're calling a, oh, what's it called now? We've had several names for it, but it's a, a sanctuary of the heart, an interfaith sanctuary of the heart that will be held online. And we're still working out the processes and whatever, but there's been months of discussion about how that's actually going to work. And uh, in the midst of one of those discussions, I just said, I wrote on a post in this communication group that we had. I want to tell you folks, I think part of the sanctuary of the heart has to have some form of instant gratification for people because it's in the middle of this pandemic. I went out with a friend and gave out scarves to homeless people and I cannot tell you how good it felt because you did something, you gave a scarf, there was an interaction and you were done. And you did something kind and it was done. You know, much of what we do is, is looking at the long story and, and making, planting seeds where we won't even sit under those trees for seven generations. But this was so great. You give a scarf and sometimes it's received in a, in a way that's pleasing and sometimes it isn't. But either way, that transaction is done. The person who is sort of running this whole thing said, yeah, sometimes instant gratification is a show of a lack of faith. I said, oh, really? <laughs> no, I, and I, I acknowledge that. There are times when instant gratification is not appropriate, you know, because we all crave it all the time, and sometimes you have to wait. What was odd, though, is that all the other ministers on that, on that list that are actually running churches said, oh, no, 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 we want instant gratification. We need it occasionally, okay? Just like probably all of us, you know, there, there are so many things in our lives where we wish it was done, where we wish it was complete, where we wish we could say this is, this is finished and, ah, take a breath and, and then move on to the next thing. But life is full of, of opportunities for process. And again, at the same time, we, we crave instant gratification. Certain things in our life have certainly amplified that, right? Like the internet? Oh my gosh. You can't remember played who and so-and-so and you just look it up? Or you ask Alexa? Right? I'm really tempted to set up everybody's Alexa at home right now. <laughs> Alexa, shuffle songs by Ethel Merman. <laughs> I'm going to hear about that, okay? <laughs> but other things, too. Look at, you know, many of us that were raised in this generation where bewitched. You could get something just by twitching your nose, right? And I dream of genie, you know? You want something? Bam! right? I wasn't sure if that was a church-appropriate outfit there, but at least her belly button's not showing. That was a big deal when she was a, a youngster. That they put that show on. They, she was not allowed to show her belly button. <laughs> Never mind the rest of the outfit, but I'll just, I'll just move on, <laughs> okay? Another thing is that we often want to be there when we're here. You know, we want to be like, um, what is that, Star Trek with the, what's it called, the transportatron or something like that, the transporter, <laughs> where you just dematerialize and show up in a new place. Oh, here I am. Whether it's a physical place or whether it's some place in consciousness, we just want, to, want it to be over and we want to get there immediately and we don't necessarily want to have to go through all the steps of the process to get our little butts there, right? Right. Am I right? Okay, thank you. I'm not the only one. So the thing is, though, is that process is important. Process is really important. For the last couple of months or so, I've been undergoing a rather intense personal challenge that I will not describe. I am fine, but it was, let's say, an interpersonal challenge. And um, one of the things that I did, you're not going to believe this, but when you do a lot of spiritual practice, life gets better. Who knew? So, 
<laughs> so I really dug into spiritual practice, and I liked it so much that I continued doing that after this incident has been resolved, and it has been resolved. But anyway, one of the things that I did was I turned back to Esther and Jerry Hicks just by coincidence, and er Esther and Jerry Hicks um, channel this this entity or this group of entities called Abraham and they they give a lot of very sage advice whether it's channeling or not I don't know but they seem to be spot on and very much in alignment with um, the science of mind teaching and also very much in alignment oddly with the wisdom Jesus book that I'm currently teaching now in a class so uh, I turned to them and one of the things that Esther Hicks said and I'm saying this because I some of some of the rest of this talk is from Esther Hicks and I want to give her credit for it Abraham Hicks uh, one of the things she says is, when you plant a seed, do you go and dig it up? I do. <laughs> okay, this is time for your confessional. This is not a Catholic church, and we're not going to stick you in a booth, but has anybody ever planted a seed to dig it up and see if it's still working? Yeah? I have. On more, more occasions than I would like to admit. I have one at home right now that I'm very tempted to dig up. You know what I'm talking about, right? I don't think that one's going to work. <sighs> When you plant a seed, do you go and dig it up? Or do you trust the process? And you know, in the science of my teaching, we say that our prayers or our thoughts are like seeds that we plant, right? And we're not supposed to go in there routing around to, to say, okay, and so it is, amen. Did it work? Is it working? Is it working? Did it work yet? Did it work yet? What time is it going to work? Do I have it yet? Can I get in one of those Star Trek transporter things and be right where I need to be right now? That is digging up the seed. It's digging up the seed with our doubt, with our fear, with our lack of faith, with our lack of trust. Perhaps we could refrain from digging up the seed and trust the process. One of the things that I do in the middle of the night, as you know, is that I research things. Things like the physics of using a hula hoop, which is important to know at 2 a.m. Another thing I researched in the middle of the night was the power in the process of growing a seed. And I, I took uh, college botany, and I, I remember very, very little of it because I haven't used much of it at all. But, you know, as I read about this, and this is going to be very basic. You can ask somebody who knows more about this stuff later on. But the, there is power in the process. For, for example, when you plant a seed, dormancy is really actually a beautiful thing. Dormancy means lying, like lying in wait. It's not, it seems like it's not doing anything. But the reason for dormancy is that the, the seed has to be in this, in this state, kind of in limbo, until the outer conditions are right in order for it to manifest. And isn't that so much like prayer? Like we may plant a seed of prayer, but sometimes the outer conditions need to arrange themselves a little bit differently so that we can experience and feel and, and receive the prayer to its fullness. So we can learn to understand that dormancy or when it feels like nothing is happening in response to our prayer, just like a plant, dormancy might be a necessary part of that process. The other thing, the next thing is germination, where the seed starts to germinate. And the seed starts to germinate by coming out of its shell, like Hugh was talking about in that reading. It comes out of its shell and it starts digging, it starts making roots go down, right? So again, maybe if our prayer is not sticking its little head above the ground, maybe it's because it's building deep roots. It's building deep roots that will anchor us. Because sometimes, you know, sometimes we pray and we get something what we want, and we say, oh my God, what was I thinking? I'm not ready for this, right? Has that ever happened to anybody? It's happened to me on many occasions. Hello, <laughs> this whole job I wasn't ready for when I got it, you know? It just, it just, it happens all, all the time to me. But 
I think, again, if we're respecting the deep roots and understanding that sometimes we need the rootedness in spiritual principle or understanding or greater depth or greater spiritual maturity, that, that that's an important part of the process. And we may not actually see the physical manifestation of the growth until those deep roots are set and able to sustain what comes up out of the ground. And then the growth process. Notice I have process underlined. You know, the process is the plant growing in its own time. If, let's say, you plant corn, and let's say the corn is this high, it's not going to grow a stalk of corn when it's this high. The plant wouldn't support it, right? So we have to allow the process. And all of this, all of this is trusting nature. Trusting that nature knows what it's doing. Trusting that nature has this overwhelming and underlying intention for good, for working on behalf of all beings everywhere, and trusting that process and surrendering to it and allowing it to work through us rather than fighting against it with our resistance. We resist nature in so many ways, particularly in the nature of prayer. So that's the process, the power and process of, of growing a plant. There's also a process in prayer, and really, I'll get to in this in more detail in a moment, but the process in prayer is about cultivating the perception and, really important, the reception of wholeness. Ernest Holmes said that there is nothing to be revealed, on, no, nothing to be healed, only wholeness to be revealed through perception. And he said also that the consciousness of wholeness is the consciousness of healing, so not only do we perceive wholeness in everything, wholeness meaning oneness, wholeness meaning the perfection of things as they are, perfection meaning inclusive of everything, not only do we perceive that, we also need to receive it in an embodied fashion so that we really understand it, so that it becomes part of our, our, our physical, mental, emotional, beingness, awareness, so that we can live like that truth is true. So, here's a quiz for you. Do you believe in the power of plants? <laughs> Do you believe in the power of plan? Oh, wait, prayer. <laughs> Do you believe in neither? Do you believe in both the power of plants and the power of prayer? I hope I see a lot of heads nodding. Okay, I think you all pass. Not everybody nodded their heads, so will be a session for you after? No, kidding. Okay. <laughs> so yes, the power of plants is very much like the power of prayer. It is a process, a process. A process with strange instant gratification, but we'll get to that later. Our main process is to change our perception, but also to become a wide receiver. I don't know football. I don't know if that is actually a wide receiver. <laughs> he seems to be jumping up and catching a ball, so that looks like a good sign that he might be. I also don't know if I picked the wrong team. I don't know if that's the Super Bowl, but I don't think it is, based on the stands. So contact me after uh, service if I've offended you with my choice of team. <laughs> it could be college, it could be high school. Right? I see John nodding. All right. <laughs> we have to become a wide receiver of all of the grace that Spirit has to offer us. 
So how do we become a wide receiver? Again, this is straight out of Esther Hicks, Abraham Hicks, Jerry Hicks, whatever you want to call it. We ask. We, we can ask in any way, but we can also ask through prayer. In this denomination, we are very much focused on prayer as, as a means for deepening our lives and being receptive to all of the grace that Spirit has to offer. We ask through prayer and then assume that it has already been given. Now this... It has already been given, but we just may not be able to see it or receive it yet. This is very much in keeping with this practice that we do in this church, developed by Michael Beckwith of Agape, Agape Spiritual Center, the visioning practice. When we vision for something, that means we come up with an idea, rather we tap into spirit's idea of what is the highest and best vision of what it is we are to accomplish in a church, in a, in a business, in a family. We vision, and as we vision and we receive this download from spirit, we know that that vision is already complete in spirit. Just as we know that health is already complete in spirit. Just as we know that abundance is already complete in spirit. Just as we know that love is already complete in spirit, joy, prosperity, Whatever it is we are seeking, peace, global peace, it is already complete in the mind of spirit. So we ask and we know that it has already been given. It already exists in the consciousness of spirit. And then believe, that's the same thing. We just anchor in that belief. We anchor in that belief that what we have asked for is already true in the spiritual realm. And then the trickier part, but the fun part, is to receive through vibrational alignment. We match the vibration of that which we wish to receive. We change our insides to see a new outside, to receive a new outside, to transform an outside, to understand that the transformation is coming through our change, through our change, our ability to perceive and receive anew. Okay? <laughs> but... It's hard sometimes, because sometimes there's evidence for what you do not want. This is my friend Mark, where I interviewed him on a, um, a topic that he likes to talk about, about when your prayer gets stuck, when it seems like your prayer gets stuck. <laughs> and um, he's saying my prayer gets, got stuck, and I'm looking like, like what, are you crazy? Because your prayer never gets stuck, by the way. But sometimes it does seem like there's evidence for what you do not want. So what do we do about that? For example, what if you're praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and nothing changes? Nothing changes. That's when you're really craving that transportatron from, from Star Trek or you're, you're wanting uh, to be I Dream of Jeannie or uh, Bewitched, Samantha, whatever her name is. Nothing's changing. There seems like there's so much evidence that this prayer isn't going to work. That is nothing but, that is merely a call to go deeper into the work of vibrational alignment and receptivity. Notice where your attention goes. When something is not working, doesn't your attention go to what is not working? That's the whole basis of the news, isn't it? You know, there's so many good stories happening, but we always focus on the bad things that are happening, right? And we have that sort of microcosm going on in our heads all the time. We are often focused on what is not working. So where your attention goes, your energy flows, if you focus on what is not working, you will see more and more things that are not working. You will, not, you will miss the evidence that the prayer is actually taking root and getting ready to grow into a form that you can recognize, right? Your attention directs your vibrational alignment. Your attention aligns you with that which you wish to receive. And Esther Hicks says it so simply. She says, if you notice things that you don't want, if you, if you notice evidence that your prayer isn't working, then just think about something else. Notice other things more. You don't have to beg God, oh, please, 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 God, give me this thing that I'm praying for. Just think about something else. 
Think, do something else. Go for a walk. Think about something else. Look at nature. Look at the mystery of nature, the beauty of nature. Reminds me so much of this, this singer that I used to work with when I lived in New York. And she was, she was tiny. She was like, she was really tiny, much smaller than me. But she could sing these long phrases without taking a breath. Finally, one day, I just asked her, what's your secret? How do you, how do you manage to get through these long phrases without taking a breath? And she said, oh, I just, I just think about something else. <laughs> Whereas when I'm singing the long phrases, I'm like, I'm going to run out of breath. I'm going to run out of breath. This is too long. I'm going to run out of breath. And guess what? I did. But she thought about something else and she got to the end. Could have been thinking about anything. Puppies. Burritos. <laughs> anything. <laughs> so again, if you notice things that you don't want, notice other things more. Would that be something you'd be willing to do? Like look at your life and, and notice where, that's, that's a really key piece too, is to notice where you're going on and on in your head about what you don't want and then saying, you know what, I'm just not going to focus on that anymore. It feels like we're helping when we focus on it, when we try and worry it to death. That is very much like, hmm, I don't think that seed is growing. I'm just going to plant it up and see what I'm doing wrong and see, if, see what the soil is doing wrong and seeing what nature is doing wrong. I'll tell you what you're doing wrong, and that's digging up the seed, right? Focus on the things you want versus the things you don't want. Oh, and this is a skillful use of instant gratification. You know, when I said, if there's a lot of evidence for things that you don't want happening in your life, you can completely shift your energy by doing small acts of kindness. That was the power of that action that we did, where we, we gave away scarves to folks that were, that were struggling. That we just, we just gave away scarves, and there was no drama attached to it. No attachment to it. They could take the scarves, they could not take the scarves, but it just felt so good. And it restored faith in the goodness of human beings and the receptivity of human beings and so many other gifts and ripples that I can't even go into right now. But just if we're feeling stuck and we want to raise our vibrational alignment, a small act of kindness can do wonders. Someday, if this was a class, I would be asking all of you, what creative small acts of kindness have you come up with? Because there's so many. You know, I've, I've told you before that when I go to the grocery store, I treat it like my ashram, you know? There's many, many opportunities to be kind and helpful in the grocery store, and it just feels so good. It feels so good to back away and let somebody's cart go in front of you when there's like this traffic jam, to be like, no, no, you go first. Or to, to look at people that are struggling to find something and, you know, I have a superpower that I can find things on the shelves, probably because I'm addicted to food, but that's it. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but just to say, can I help you find that thing? You know, there's so many ways that we can serve in a grocery store or at a pet store or when we're driving in traffic. So many small acts of kindness we can do. It's omnipresent. It's the kingdom of heaven spread upon the earth, and we get to see it. The acts of kindness, opportunities for acts of kindness are spread upon the earth. And it not only blesses the person we're serving, but it totally raises our vibrational level and lifts up. And it moves us place that, that place of resistance, that place of resistance that prevents us from receiving what it is we long to receive. Right? So I highly recommend that. And then the other thing, this is from Esther Hicks. She suggests that if you notice if you're complaining about something that you don't, that you don't want, something that you've prayed for, that you've asked for, that hasn't manifested, shift that around. Change that phrase. Say this 200 times a day. Wouldn't it be nice if my job was perfect? Wouldn't it be nice if I had a great working relationship with my boss? Wouldn't it be nice if, if the 
the church was thriving. Wouldn't it be nice if, my, if I had a new love in my life? Wouldn't it be nice if I found something to be passionate about? Wouldn't it be nice if I found someone to be passionate about? Wouldn't it be nice if, if everything worked out in my family, this challenge that we're having? Wouldn't it be nice if that all just worked out and it moved into a greater place of loving kindness? Can you individually think of a wouldn't it be nice that you would like to say? You don't have to say it right now, but just go ahead and think about some wouldn't it be nices. Something that you're resisting, something that you're not liking, and just think about the opposite. Pray the opposite of the problem, they say in unity. Wouldn't it be nice if this happened? Wouldn't it be nice if that happened? Wouldn't it be nice if the whole world suddenly decided to get along? How about that? Is it possible? Are we planting seeds right now? Is this pandemic part of it? It certainly seems to be stirring up a lot of adversity. Maybe that needs to come to the surface so that people like us can say, wouldn't it be nice if everybody got along super well and everybody was friends and everybody had a home and everybody had enough food, everybody had enough clothing? Wouldn't it be nice? I want to tell you a story about how prayer and receptivity works. So, um, gosh, I've been here a long time, 18, 18 years, 18 years, can you believe it? Shocking. Whatever. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. I got to tell you, I've never lasted at a job that long. It's probably, it's because of all of you. You're all really sweet and wonderful and, and, you know, God has something to do with it too. But, <laughs> but, um, mm. You know, for many years we've talked about growing our youth and family program, and it, and it grows, and then it shrinks, and then it grows, and then it shrinks, and then it grows, and then it shrinks, and during the pandemic it went through major shrinkage, right? <laughs> and these are not, um, these are not our, our children, but I did have a picture of a bunch of our children standing on the stage, but I was concerned about putting it online without their, permission, their parents' permission. So this is just a group of happy children, which I would really love to see in the church. And then uh, Susie, Susie Thatcher, who is our new youth and family director, came on, and she had this big vision of creating a youth and family program that's connected to theater and really utilizing a lot of the talents of the, of the congregation and, and uh, moving the, the children into this, into this new realm of being, thoughts about having a youth choir, all kinds of things like that. And we had a grand opening, and we had 17 children show up. We had a petting zoo the next day, the next Sunday, no children. <laughs> and I said to Susie, do we need to have a goat every Sunday? I mean, is that what did it? <laughs> but, you know, she has a strong vision. We kept praying. We kept, we kept just trusting. And honestly, part of what happened for me was when we did the Christmas Eve service, we had probably five or six young people in the cast, uh, teenagers and also a couple of kids that were younger than teenagers. And I just found myself enjoying working with those kids so much. It was so great to have their energy in the, in the church. And I just, I just said to so many people, I really, really enjoyed the children. So it's building that level of joy too, that level of receptivity to children. And then, you know, we're still... We're still on the cusp of this pandemic and some parents are exhausted and people are struggling with bringing their kids in, blah, 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 all of that stuff. But then something else happened, something that was sort of beyond the scope of our imagination. And what happened was this. This is a little hard to explain, but I'm going to give it my best shot. 
So <laughs> I know that looks like kind of a flight pattern, and it sort of is. But um, many of you know that I went to India four years ago. And in India, I, I went with this guy, Nipun Mehta, who is um, one of my great spiritual teachers. He's right there in our choir loft, as a matter of fact. And because I went to India, I later on went up to um, uh, Northern California for a meeting with people with India, right? And then I met this woman here. She was staying with me. And then we were going to go visit this monk over here who lives in Berkeley, Reverend Heng Shur. And then when we went to visit the monk in Berkeley, this gal, who, is, who was a CIA, uh, what you call it, you know, where they um, interrogate people, a CIA interrogator, she's, she interrogated in Iraq, and she moves over, moved over back to the States where she has a... Um, uh, she started a peace-building organization called the Euphrates Institute. By the way, this is Fran, Fran from Iran, who actually spoke here. Fran's from Iran. Okay, so I met Fran from Iran and Janessa from Iraq in Berkeley, and also this guy named Fabrizio from Canada and somebody else from India there, and we went to visit this monk. And then months later, years later, actually, Fran from Iran, right before Christmas, called me and said, okay, so Janessa's organization is working with people on the Ivory Coast to bring books to children who were in a barber shop, and they were playing with all the barber's tools, and the barber was getting, getting nervous about them, so he said, here's some books, and it turned out that the children loved the books. They loved the books. They were so excited about the books. So contacted Janessa. He's part of her organization. She contacts somebody who lives in uh, Portland, I believe. This person in Portland also supports youth in Nigeria and Ghana. <laughs> I contacted Susie Thatcher when Janessa said, do you want to, I mean, sorry, not Janessa, Fran from Iran said, do you want to partner with me? I contacted Susie Thatcher, and Susie said, I'm all over this. I'm all over this. So we had a, a call. We had a call with um, Fran and Susie and me, and I just said to Susie, Susie, what's the first step? What do we do? How do we support these children in Africa? How do we support these children all over the world? And Susie said, well, um, we can just record what we're doing in church today. They're doing a story today. It's a story of, of a book that children will see children in America relating a story in, from a book in a church. Children seeing children performing and stepping out of their comfort zone. Well, they speak French in the Ivory Coast. So then we're calling upon church members who speak French. Somebody from France, possibly. <laughs> and somebody from Morocco, possibly. I don't know if we've heard back from either of them yet, but they, it needs to be translated as well. They're, gonna, they're, they're learning to be bilingual. So who thought that up? Seriously, how did that happen? Are those roots or what? You know, going all over the place. Oh, and by the way, here's this dotted line into the Philippines, which you can't really see. But um, my roommate in India was, is an acting teacher in the Philippines who works with children, so I'm going to get her involved in it too. So you see what, what, what's happening here? It's like we're praying for a stronger youth program. We're praying for a broader scope of, of bringing the good to children. And, and this is what happens. It didn't happen like we thought it would. You know, we didn't need to get a goat to make it happen, <laughs> to make 17 children showed up. We just stayed open to the possibilities to impact hundreds of children. I think that's pretty cool. I think that deserves a round of applause. Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> so, <sighs> so if that can happen for this, if that can happen for this, 
And it's been a challenge, you know, a challenge all along. And there have been many places where faith has been lost and many places where we need to acknowledge that, um, you know, we need to be in a more receptive place where we need to consider the positive. If that can happen for this, that can happen for anything. It can happen for whatever prayer you are holding in your heart right now. It can happen if you're willing to do the work of receptivity, to become a wide receiver, to align your vibration with the truth of what it is that you want. To recap, <laughs> amen. <laughs> to recap, the answer to prayer is prayer. This is a paraphrase of what Ernest Holmes says, but Ernest Holmes, our founder, says that the, the, dem the demonstration to prayer is the prayer itself because prayer is a shift in consciousness. Prayer is a shift where we, where we contemplate the facts and the facts are not the facts, really. The facts are not necessarily the spiritual truth, but we contemplate the facts from the highest point of view. The fact that we're going into prayer is that we change our consciousness to a state of receptivity of the truth of existence, which is God is all there is and that we are one with God and that God contains all possibilities. And then we give thanks for it and then we let it go, right? So the prayer itself is the prayer, the answer to prayer, right? The process of whatever we're going through, what if we just affirmed that it's perfect as it is? Even if it's taking too long according to our watch, even if it's taking too long according to the, the calendar, what if the process is absolutely perfect and we are growing roots and shedding the seed coat and getting ready to blossom when the time is ripe and right? I'm not, I don't even mean to say what if. I'm saying the process is perfect, okay? We focus on what is wanted versus what is not wanted. We draw our attention to the things that we love versus the things that seem to be worrisome or standing in the way. We do something else. We think of my friend, the singer, who thinks about burritos and puppies when, or kittens or whatever when she sings a long, <laughs> a long phrase and is afraid she's going to lose her breath. We think about something else and we let God be God. We recognize that kindness raises vibrations. If we're ever stuck and feeling like we're in a slump, just go out and do an act of kindness for somebody. It can be tiny. That's the main thing. You know, it's so crazy in that we think we have to do something epic to raise our vibrations. But an act of kindness can be tiny and still have an impact. And then the other thing, too, if we really want to get deep with this, is 200, 300 times a day, say, wouldn't it be nice if... And if ever, whatever, you, whatever your heart is calling you to do, you know, Ernest Holmes says that if your heart is calling you for something and it doesn't hurt anybody, it doesn't hurt yourself, then it is okay to have that desire. It is okay to have that hope. We don't attach to it because it'll be th that desire or something better, but it's okay to pray for what, you, what your heart really desires. So just say, wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice if there was peace in my family? Wouldn't it be nice if there was peace in my workplace? Wouldn't it be nice if there was peace in the world? It's a beautiful practice. And in doing those things, what really happens is that your whole life becomes a prayer. Your whole entire life becomes a prayer. And that's as it should be. So let us pray. So I turn within and just trust the power, the omnipresence, the love, the grace that is spirit, the beauty and the peace that is always around, that is always through us and in us. I recognize that. And as I recognize it, knowing that omnipresence is everything and that there cannot be omnipresence on something else, 
I recognize that I too am part of that omnipresence. I am part of that energy of peace and love and joy and healing and happiness. And as I know this for myself, I know it is true for everyone. So when I use the word I am, I'm speaking of the universal I am, the I am presence that inhabits all of us. And so in this place, I know the truth and I speak the truth. I am part of a grand process. I am part of a system that is for me, that is for my highest and greatest expression. I am part of joy. I am part of peace. I am part of happiness. I am joy. I am peace. I am happiness. And right now, I allow all of that to flow through me, through my spiritual work, through my willingness to raise my vibrations, to my willingness to receive, to my willingness to change my perception to that of truth, to my willingness to turn my attention to that which is right and noble and praiseworthy, to my willingness to be who I truly am. And so I'm so grateful, so grateful for the spiritual transformation that has taken place here today in all that we have said and done in the community, in our interactions with each other. So grateful for life itself, so grateful for love, so grateful for healing, so grateful for this teaching as I bless all paths to God, churches, synagogues, temples, mosques, ashrams, fundamentalists, atheists, agnostics, all beings everywhere, for everyone is a blessing. And with a heart that is so filled with love and blessedness, I say thank you, Spirit. Thank you, love. And I release these words into the divine mystery. And together we say, and so it is. Mommy. You know, I love when you bring up Nepen. I know. <laughs> Having served on the board pre-pandemic, during pandemic, and now pandemic, <laughs> I remember our focus prior to Napoon joining us is we wanted to grow the church. We wanted to grow the church by bringing big names here, having the seats filled. And Bonnie tried as she might to get those big name speakers. <laughs> Are you going to say the bad word? <laughs> We would say she was doing it at all costs. <laughs> and it didn't work out. And we wondered, what were we doing wrong? We wanted to grow the church. And then we met Napoon. Mm -hmm. And his whole focus is on the small, the small acts of kindness. And this morning I was sitting and thinking about when we wanted to grow the church. And then during the pandemic, when y'all weren't here, it was a fresh start. Yes, it was. <laughs> and so this morning, as I see that our small intentions, our small acts of kindness have generated this morning, and it's so wonderful to see you here being a part of that. And so this morning in the offering, I am just inviting you to use Bonnie's Wouldn't It Be Wonderful If This Small Act of Kindness Changed the World. Mm, lovely. So I invite you to place your offering over your heart and repeat after me. We trust in spirit. We trust in spirit. Love is a giver and receiver of all that we are. Love is a giver and receiver of all that we are. It is an outer, outer expression of our inner abundance and compassion. It is an outer expression of our inner abundance and compassion. Our gifts bless many. Our gifts bless many. And return to us multiplied in miraculous ways and return to us multiplied in miraculous ways so that we may give again so that we may give again 
And so it is. And so 